The Lord dealt with me about something specific to share with you tonight. Um, and so uh, I, I want to start out by making this statement. Uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne, you may have heard of him. Uh, no, you, you definitely will have heard of him uh, being around uh, our pastors. Uh, Dr. Ed Dufresne um, made this statement. The Lord spoke to him many years ago. And uh, God said this to Dr. Ed Dufresne. He said this, 97% of my people live beneath what I have for them. I'm going to say that again. 97% of my people live beneath what I have for them. Now, that statistic ought to be startling. (laughs) You know, when I remember hearing it for the first time and thinking, oh God, like 97% of the body of Christ, that means only 3%. And this is a statement that, you know, God's pretty good with numbers. Right. So this is a statement that God spoke to Dr. Dufresne. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe the words of the prophet. Amen. I said, I believe the words of the prophet. And so what God, why, why did God say that to Dr. Dufresne? Well, I believe one of the reasons why is it's because he wanted to get the body's attention that um, if 97 percent of us are living beneath what God has for us, there's probably a reason for that. And it, it, you know, based on what Dr. Dufresne taught us, it displeases God that the vast majority, not not even just, you know, we're we're, we're not halfway there. It's the vast majority, almost the entire body of Christ is living beneath what what God has for them. That's disturbing. You know, and I think what it should do when we hear things like that, of course, Dr. Dufresne has gone home to be with the Lord. But the revelation that he brought and the message that he carried, it's supposed to remain here on the earth, is it not? And so we should still be learning. Look at look at these visions that that God gave uh, Dad Hagen. You know, we're still reading that, those wonderful books where, that he's written with those visions in them, like I Believe in Visions, and we're still learning from those experiences that he had from God. Well, how much more should we be learning from people who are directly connected with us, right? And I mean, Dad Hagen is directly connected with us, but you understand what I'm saying. God told him 97% of people uh, live beneath what he has for them. So... Um, That's startling for a few different reasons, but it's especially startling because Jesus paid a heavy price. He paid a heavy price so that we could walk in victory in every area, not just health, not just prosperity. Every single area, the blood of Jesus paid for us to walk in victory. Did it not? Amen. So when we live beneath what God has for us, we live in a way that is dishonorable to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. His blood. Listen, it's it matters that we use our faith in what God has blessed us with because the blood of Jesus was shed specifically so that we would walk in it. Amen. It was shed so that we would have a life of heaven on earth. And if we go to heaven and we meet Jesus, obviously it's going to be a wonderful thing. And, and you know, Jesus, every time somebody says they meet Jesus, you know, his eyes are full of love and, you know, he's just so wonderful and great. Um, But but I want when I meet him, (laughs) I want to not just have a beautiful reunion and talk about how much we love each other. But I want I want to tell him, Jesus, your sacrifice was worth it in my life. I I took full advantage of all that your blood offered to me, right? I took full advantage of it. If you go and, um, you know, I remember, um, (laughs) I remember one time, uh, this was, uh, this was Christmas one year, uh, and we were, we were teenagers, you know, so this was a little while ago, and uh, I remember we, uh, we had uh, come over we had our family come over to the house, you know, and um, my grandparents, um, you know, have always been very generous with us. But as they got older, they got less and less interested in shopping. And so they'd just be like, listen, brother, you know, just uh, tell us where you want a gift card from or I'm just going to put cash in this envelope and that's going to be fine, you know. Uh, and I'm not complaining about cash. Cash is good, amen. We, we you know, we're, we're good with cold, hard cash. Um, but... Uh, I remember one year, uh, we, uh, we, my grandparents had gotten us, I think maybe they had, you know, 
they had put in some pajamas or something in a bag because they, they're like, oh, you know, we just want you to open something, you know? They're very sweet. So, but they put some pajamas in a, in a bag and it was just, oh, you know, that's great. You can always use pajamas. Pajamas aren't, you know, as, as an almost 30-year-old man now, I'd be like, pajamas, those are wonderful, you know? But, um, you know, as a teenager, it was, I was, you know, you're a little bit less than enthused. Uh, so, but, but, you know, we were taught, we were brought, we have brought up, see? So, you know, we were taught, don't go, you know, turn up your face if somebody gets you a gift, you know, just, oh, thank you so much, you know, right? Because that's polite. It's polite to thank somebody when they give you a gift. Anyways, um, so, uh, but I remember one year uh, we had a, a family friend come over and they had gotten us gifts. And I don't know what it was that they had given to me, but I remember uh, opening up the bag and I looked at it and I went, oh, wow. This is super cool. Because I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But, but it was like, oh, this is super cool. And my grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother turned and looked and went, oh, super cool. <laughs> and, that was, and that was it. That was it. But I, I made note of it because obviously, you know, she felt the type of ways that I didn't respond that way with her pajamas. Uh, you know, uh, those weren't super cool, but this was. And I said all that to say, when we get somebody a gift, we want, uh, we want to feel like, it, can I say it this way? It honors us when the gift, when their response to the gift is one of great pleasure. And it's one where um, they'll use it. You know, whenever my grandparents would get us a gift, they would expect that every time they saw us, it was on. I'm like, Nana, we can't wear pajamas out in public. You know, like, I, I can't just wear those. But, but um, you know, they, they wanted to see it on. Why? Because it, it blessed them to know that we were using the thing that they paid a, a price for. Right? Can I say this? It blesses Jesus to know that the thing that he paid a heavy price for, the thing that heaven went bankrupt for, the thing that he gave his life for is being used by you, right? And it displeases him if we don't partake of what he paid such a heavy price for. Amen? Amen. So to live beneath what God has for us is to dishonor what Jesus' blood purchased for us. Amen? I don't want to dishonor the sacrifice of Jesus. It's our salvation. It's everything, right? Amen. Um, so, I, so, of course, if we, if we really think about it, and we've heard teaching along these lines, you know, about why some of the body of Christ live beneath what God has for them. And part of the reason, I think, is, well, I would say a lot of the reason is ignorance, you know, because uh, much of the body is not taught what Jesus purchased for them. You know, we hear a lot of teaching in the mainstream Christian world about salvation. You know, Jesus bought eternal life for you. And that's great. And we hear a lot about the love of God. But, you know, God so loved the world that he gave, you know. And, and with the gift of his son, we, we came into so much more than just having eternal life. There's, there's a flow of heaven right here for the earth that we came into. And so a lot of people aren't taught, which is why they don't appropriate the blessing of God. Um, but I find, you know, especially if I could say this um, in our congregation and with people that, um, uh, you know, that are within maybe our circles, this is one thing that I find. And this is what the Lord highlighted to me to talk to you about tonight. And I believe that one of the reasons why people live beneath what God has for them is because they quit on their faith. They quit on their faith. They don't um, see their faith through all the way to the end. Why is that? Because a little bit of opposition will come. A little bit of, you know, a pressure will come. While the, because, listen, while you're using your faith, the devil does not congratulate us, right? He's, oh, yeah, good, good on you, man. You're just using your faith. That's not what happens with the devil. The devil comes because he doesn't want you, and he'll oppose you because he doesn't want you to see the end of your faith. Whatever, whatever that is, because the more that you see the end of your faith, the more you'll be encouraged to use your faith. And the more that your faith grows, the more that his kingdom loses influence, yeah. right? And so people, so what the devil will do is while people are standing in faith, he'll put the pressure on. 
and he'll bombard people in their minds, especially because the, the mind is the battleground of the enemy. And so he'll come in with thoughts and he'll come in with doubt and unbelief and he'll come in with fear and he'll come in with different things. He'll come in even, you might be standing in faith for something and suddenly symptoms show up in your body. You know, like he'll, he'll do everything that he can to oppose you if it means that you won't see the end of your faith. Right. And so people will come in, come into a little bit of pressure and because they're not accustomed to that or they're not used to that, they they give up and they release their hand of faith on some things. And what I heard the Lord say to me is he said, encourage my people tonight. You know, we've uh, we've been so blessed lately. We've been having a lot of teaching haven't we? Um, you know, where, where Pastor Craig has been taking the subject of being led by the Spirit and developing your spirit, man, and just teaching us. You know, and Pastor Craig is, is just, a, he's a bona fide preacher, so even in his teaching, he can't help but preach a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, we, sometimes it, it's good and it's right to, to hear the teaching of the Word, but sometimes with certain messages, God just wants to infuse some strength into you. He just, he just wants to, if I could get, say it this way, give you a spiritual kick in the butt, okay? You know, and just, and just help you or energize your faith. And that was what the Lord said to me. He said, energize my people tonight. Stir them to the faith. Stir them to keep believing, not to quit, not to let go, not to relinquish the dreams of their heart, not to let go of the things that God has told them to believe for. The things even, you know, you might be dealing with some symptoms in your body. Don't let go of believing for those things. Amen. You might be believing for things to change in your marriage. Don't let go of that. Oh, well, you don't know how crazy my kids are. Keep that hand of faith released for your kids. Because uh, if you'll keep it released, if you'll keep it out, your faith will end inside. But you can't quit. You can't quit. Winners do not have quitting sense. Dr. Dufresne used to say all the time, I ain't got no quitting sense about me. Right? Uh, Brother Lester Sumrall preaches a wonderful message called I Did Not Quit. And he talks about, if you, if you have the opportunity, go on YouTube and watch it. But he talks about all the horrible things that happened to him in his life and all the horrible things that people would say to him about, you know, uh, fulfilling the call of God in his life. How people, even those very close to him, would speak words that would injure him and he would weep and cry before God. But through it all, he did not quit. And thank God he didn't because we are still, we are still um, partaking of the fruit of a man who did not quit. Amen. And uh, there are things that God has for your life. There are answers that God has for you. There's, there's things that he wants to get over to you. There's blessings that he has for your life, but you're going to need to decide. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit on my faith if I'm going to lay hold of those things. Amen. Keep on believing. Do not quit on your faith. Do not allow your faith to fail. Amen. You keep doing what's right. You keep speaking the word. You keep feeding your faith. You keep meditating on the word. You keep praying in the Holy Ghost. You keep doing everything that we're taught to do here because your faith will produce. Faith works. I said faith works. It works. It doesn't just work for some. It doesn't just work for preachers. It will work for all of us who do not quit. Your faith will end in your profit. If you keep it active, if you keep releasing it, if you keep feeding it. Amen. Amen. The promises of God for your life are yes and amen. Yes and amen. Hold on to that. Release your faith in it. Amen. Come on, is anybody here tonight? I said, I, I said, don't let go of what you're believing God for. That's the word of the Lord for you tonight. Do not let go of the things that you have released your faith for because it'll come to pass. Amen. His strength is your strength. His wisdom is your wisdom. You have to just keep believing. You have to just keep releasing your hand of faith. You have to just keep doing what we've been taught to do. And if you'll do it, you'll see the end result. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to the book of Philippians. 
Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Thank you, Father, for the help of your spirit tonight. Help them to get it, Lord. Help them to understand what it is that you told me. Help them to um, understand how precious their faith is and how it has to be guarded. It has to be protected. It has to be nurtured because our faith is our victory. And so we can't quit on our victory. Um, but we need to release it. We need to grow it every day in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, if you would. Philippians 3, 12. I find the Lord has me just go to sometimes the same passages over and over again, and he'll talk to me about different things. And so this is one passage that he talks to me about or, um, a lot. But he said, Philippians 3, 12, Paul is talking and he says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. So we see here, that we see here Paul knows where he's at spiritually, right? We need to know where we're at. Just because you come to church doesn't make you spiritual. Just because you're in a good church with spiritual pastors doesn't make you spiritual, right? Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Of course, perfect uh, means mature. Um, uh, but look at this, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So we see here, um, I, uh, there's a reason that Jesus purchased us with his blood. There's a reason for it, uh, right? Of course, one of the reasons is so that we could be a part of God's family. And of course, we know one of the reasons is so that God can have regular fellowship with us because that's what we were created for. It's to fellowship with God. But there are things that your life needs to lay hold of. There's an assignment that God has for your life. There is a plan that God has for you, whether it's for ministry, whether it's for business, whether it's for prayer, whether it's, you know, all of these different things, whether it's to just serve in the ministry of helps, uh, you know, at church, there's an assignment that God has given you. And so you need to uh, do what, what this says here, which is Paul said, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended. Notice he said, if. If I may apprehend, what does that mean? Just because you have been born again doesn't mean that you apprehend all that God has for your life. Just because you chose Jesus, and thank God we chose Jesus. <laughs> thank God for that. That's one of the most important decisions we'll ever make is choosing Jesus. But how many of you know there's more that comes after that decision. There's, there's a decision to walk in love. There's a decision to use our faith and grow our faith. There's a decision, you know, to, to stay in peace and out of fear. You know, there's many different decisions that have to be made after Jesus apprehends us, if we could say it that way, right? Now look at this. Brethren, verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. You will not reach forward the same if you got, if you got one hand in the past. You can't move with the same reach if your direction is torn. So whatever happened in the past, good or bad, move on from it. Move on from it. Oh, well, you don't know what I did. It doesn't really matter because we, we have been authorized to forget those things which are behind. Oh, well, I missed it in this area. Congratulations, so have the rest of us. Go ahead and move on from it, right? Because again, Jesus' blood was shed for us so that everything that happened in the past would no longer dominate us. So that we wouldn't have to live under the subjection of the things that we did in the past. That's what his blood did for us. So that means that we are authorized concerning our past to turn our backs and move forward. Turn your back and move forward. Amen. Don't, don't sit another day at home with your thoughts condemning yourself for the things that you did previously. Don't sit around and do that. Okay? Let me tell you something about Paul. Paul was a murderer. Okay? He killed Men, he killed women, he killed children, he killed everybody, okay? And this man, if, if there's anybody that should have hang-ups about his past, it's the guy who's killed men, women, children, everybody. Dogs who were Christian, he probably killed them too, all right? 
But if there's anybody that's going to have a hang-up or, or a complex, you know, because of things that he's done in the past, it's going to be this guy. But by the Spirit, Paul says, I forget those things which are behind. I leave them behind. They're not going to help me in the future. They're not going to help me where I'm headed. Your, your faith will be hindered if your attention remains on your past. It'll be hindered. Condemnation is a device of the enemy. Um, and, and the reason that he brings it is to hinder your faith. So let it go. Move on from it. It's done. It's over with. If you've confessed your sins and you know to the, to the Lord, it's under the blood. You've been authorized to move on. Amen. I could not myself to have, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. You can't do, you have to do both. You can't live in the past and reach forth, right? You got it's one or the other. So he says, he forgets those things which are behind and reaches forth unto those things which are before. Now look at verse 14. This is the one I wanted to get to. He said, I press, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at verse 12 again. That, that phrase here, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect. Look at this, but I follow after. So I want you to highlight or underline in your Bible the words follow after in verse 12. And then in verse 14, highlight or underline the word press. Okay? These two phrases, if you will, follow after, and press. They are the same Greek word. Okay? What is that Greek word? It is the Greek word dioko. D-I-O-K-O. All right? Greek word, the Greek word is dioko. This is what that Greek word means. It means to pursue. It means to persecute. It means to run swiftly in order to catch. It means, look at this, to harass. To trouble. Or to seek after eagerly. That's what that word, again, it's the same, press is the same, in verse 14, is the same Greek word as verse 12. Uh, follow after, okay? So he says, I press toward the mark, and I follow after, if that I may apprehend. So what is, what is the Lord telling us from these two verses of Scripture? It's saying, if you're going to apprehend the things that God has for you. If you're going to be a part of that, by faith I say, growing 3%, right? So if we're going to be a part of that instead of the majority of people that are living beneath, what do we have to do? We have to press toward the mark. We have to press past opposition for the things that we're believing for. We have to pursue the things we're believing for. We have to do so in a way that it's like persecution. We're, that attitude, you know, I don't know if you, you know, if somebody, you say, man, somebody, you know, uh, might be annoying you or whatever, and you stop harassing me, you know? When, When somebody's harassing you, they're intent on just being, you know, not that nice, okay? They're, and, they're, and they're, if I could say this, single-minded in their focus. They're, they're intentional. They're like, you know, I'm going to be annoying, you know? And, uh, you know, that, but that's the kind of stance that we take when it comes to laying hold of things with the hand of faith. It's I'm not going to quit till I get it. Yeah. Amen. What about, again, this definition? I press toward the mark. Mark, excuse me. I seek after the mark eagerly. I run swiftly in order to catch the thing I'm believing for. If it's my healing, I'm running for it. I'm not satisfied till I get it. That's what faith is. It's, it's, a, it's, it's having inside of you a, a deep dissatisfaction with anything except for that thing that you got your hand on. That's how we got to take. That's the walk of faith. You can't be flippant with your faith. You can't, you can't have flimsy faith and obtain the promises of God. It has to be robust. It has to be strong. It ha- you have to say, it doesn't matter if, if, if God has to move hell or high water. It doesn't matter. Listen, I remember when I was, this is one of the first things, the first times I used my faith after we had started coming to this church. Um, I, was, I was a teenager and I was uh, praying about going to Pastor Nancy's Bible school. And I remember... 
we, we had decided that we were going to go to the Holy Ghost meetings before the school year started in September to check some things out, you know, just to, you know, scope the land, as they say. Um, and so uh, we, we were going to the Holy Ghost meetings, but I was believing God for a certain amount of money because I, you know, wanted to buy some books and, you know, some things like that. And also I wanted money for offerings. And so what seemed good to me was to believe for $500. And so I said, Lord, I want $500 so that I can go to Holy Ghost meetings with it. And so I was, I released my faith and I got my scriptures out like we all do. And I said, Father, I thank you that your word says that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your word says in Mark 11, it says um, that if I confess with, uh, excuse me, that believe that you have received those things, you know, and you shall have them, you know, all, you know all of that anyways. So I, I had gotten my scriptures and I was confessing them. And uh, this was a few weeks before the meetings. And uh, I, you know, some weeks passed and the money didn't come. And the money still hadn't come. And I'm still, I'm not letting go of it. I'm not letting go of it because this faith stuff's going to work for me whether it likes it or not. So I, you know, I'm still using my faith and I'm calling for that money and I'm releasing my angels to go and get it. I'm take, devil, you take your hands off of my money. That money's none of your business. That's for me to go to Holy Ghost meetings. And so I'm doing what we're taught, what Pastor Craig has taught us. And uh, we had gotten up to, uh, we were supposed to leave for the Holy Ghost meetings on a Monday. Uh, we had gotten up to the Sunday before. And... Uh, it, it had, the money hadn't showed up. We were actually, this was Saturday. This was Saturday. We had a prayer meeting at the church on Saturday and uh, the money still hadn't showed up. And so I was in the car and I remember a thought came to me and the thought was, see, this faith stuff doesn't work. You're about to go on your trip and you still don't have that money you were calling for. And I, out of my spirit came an answer. And that answer was the word of God will not fail me. The word works and it doesn't matter if somebody has to come up to me at the Holy Ghost meetings and give me $500 that doesn't know anything about me. I said, that money is going to be there. Amen. By the time I lay my feet on the ground in California, I'll have that money. And so I answered that thought and I did not entertain that doubt. And so we went to church the next day. And um, went through the service, you know, did our, you know, normal stuff. And Pastor Craig dismissed. And I was walking through the hallway. And uh, a lady who attended the church at the time came up to me and said, um, Taylor, uh, the Lord told me to give you this. And she handed me an envelope. And I said, well, uh, thank you. And can I be honest with you? I had totally forgotten about that money that I was believing for. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about it. I just said, oh, somebody's giving me an envelope. That's nice. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought... Was it a note? You know, I, I just didn't know. <laughs> uh, anyways, I opened the envelope and there was $500 cash in it. The day before the trip. Listen, faith doesn't have a clock. The answer is going to show up whether it likes it or not. God knows where you're at. He knows your number. He knows your address. He knows how to get the answer over to you. You just have to decide, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Can I tell you another story? I, I had not planned to tell any of these stories, but we're just going to go with it, okay? Um, I was in Bible school. This, this is very special to my heart, this story, um, because it's such a testament of the faithfulness of God to me. I was in Bible school, and uh, we had, um, of course, and we had our classes in the morning from 8.30 to 11.30, and then there was prayer school at about uh, 1 o'clock. And so between classes and prayer school, there was some time uh, that um, I had, um, you know, to just sort of whatever. And normally we would, we would either go home and eat lunch, or if we didn't feel like going home, we'd eat lunch at the church, or we would um, help out or something around with whatever they needed. Anyways, um, I remember one particular day, um, I was hungry, and um, I didn't have any money for food. You know, uh, unfortunately... We, um, with, with the way that it worked for us to get out there, you know, we had to jump through some loopholes and whatever. But um, I wasn't able to work when I was out in California because I was on a student visa. And I could have gotten a job at the university, but, you know, to make a long story short, it wouldn't have worked out with my schedule at Bible school, okay? 
So um, I, you know, we had just, I guess we had just, you know, paid rent or paid bills or whatever, um, and I didn't have any money for food. And so, but I was hungry. And so I, and so, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and I remembered, I'm sure you've heard it, Pastor Jenny tells her testimony about how she believed God for a Diet Coke. And, and how God impressed upon someone to buy her a Diet Coke, and it was precious to her. And, uh, and I remembered that testimony, and I said, Lord, well, if you can get a Diet Coke for Pastor Jenny, and you're no respecter of persons, then I can believe you for lunch. And uh, so, so I said, Father, I thank you for lunch. I wasn't specific about what I wanted. Maybe I should have been. I don't know. I, at that point, I was hungry. I said, I'll eat whatever, Lord. Um, but, but I said, uh, I said, Lord, I call for my lunch and, and I thank you for angels. I release you to go and cause favor to go before me. Devil, take your hands off my lunch. Is the devil having his hands on my lunch? I don't know. But I said, I might as well just tell him to take it off just in case. Okay. So, and, and I, I sat there waiting for prayer school to start with my grumbling belly. Can I tell you, um, <laughs> when you're believing God for something, even in that case, the grumbling belly was telling me something. It was telling me, oh, we're, we're still hungry and there's no food in us. You got to decide to block out the noise. You got to decide. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter what I hear. That's not going to hinder my faith. Amen. Faith has to cut through the noise of your life. Amen. And so I, I was, um, again, I was, I was just sitting in the, in the room where we were doing pr uh, prayer school and just sort of thanking and praising God for my lunch. And, and, a, and a, a young lady came in that was a year behind me, I think. Um, and she had come in and had just, you know, was talking to some people. Um, and then she, she was holding a bag in her hand, just a plastic bag. Um, and... Uh, she came and was talking, you know, ha, 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 and they were whatever. We weren't very, we weren't like good friends, um, but we were acquaintances. And um, so she, she has her bag and she's about to walk out and I, and I see her and she stops. And she turned back to me and she walked over to me and she said, Taylor, um, I don't know if you've already eaten anything, but I have this lunch here that I haven't touched. And uh, I just want to, do you want it? And I said, oh, yes. <laughs> I said, oh, yes. Um, and uh, it, was so, it was so special to me. Because even when it was something little, something that other people maybe, did, it's not a dynamic miracle per se, but for me it was. For me it was I was hungry and God filled my belly. You know, and can I say this? God is no respecter of persons. Whatever it is that you're believing for, he knows it and he will do it. If you don't quit, if you will not release your hand of faith from that thing, God will bring that which you are believing for into manifestation. Amen. Amen. So the word press again, I, again, that was none of that was in my notes. So I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. The word press implies that there's going to be things in your path that are keeping you from getting that thing that you're believing for. You're going to have to push past it. You're going to have to put some effort in. You're going to have to, if I could say this, develop a backbone. Okay? And not just at the first bit of pressure or at the first feeling or the first little bit of symptoms you run and say, oh, this stuff doesn't work. Let me get the pastor to pray for me. No, it works. You just need to, but this is why the Bible tells us, hold fast to your profession of faith. Why? Because there's going to be opportunity for you to let it go. There's going to be opportunity for you to release your, um, to, to relinquish your faith and let go of it. But guess what? Don't let go. No matter what you feel, no matter what you hear, no matter what's told to you, keep your faith on that thing. It will work. I said it will work. I said it will work. Amen. Don't let your feelings dissuade you. Don't let them change what you believe. Don't let opposition change what you believe. Amen. I believe the word of God. I believe in the power of God. And my belief in the word of God and my belief in the power does not change because of something I feel in my body. It does not change because a bill came up that I wasn't anticipating. It does not change because something happened with my kids and they, you know, I'm believing God for them to get to church and then they go and do something crazy. My belief in the word of God remains. Amen. 
Amen. And so should yours. Be immovable. Be steadfast in your faith. Amen. Amen. Now turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you would. We're okay. We're okay. We're getting there, right? Yeah, we're not. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse 11. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. Look at this. But thou, O man of God. Say, that's me. That's me. When, you know, when, when, the, when the Bible, as you're reading the Bible, you, this should be an interactive experience for you, okay? God is one with his word, all right? So when you read the word, you are, you're having conversation with God. So if, if the Bible addresses something, I love, uh, Pastor Nancy says this. She said when she's reading the Psalms or, or, or a scripture and it says, praise the Lord, she lifts her hands and she praises the Lord, you know? So if we're talking here, and yes, Paul is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, but we're all men and women of God, Amen. right? So this verse is talking to us. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Point number one, if you're going to progress in the things of God, you're going to have to know what not to touch. You're going to have to know that not everything that's out there is going to help your faith. Actually, there are many things. Most things out there in the world are going to hinder your faith. So don't touch them. You know, and of course, if we look at the context, he was talking about, you know, the love of money and different other things. But, but we could say this. There is much unrighteous. There are many unrighteous things that we shouldn't touch, right? So know what not to touch. But look at this. And follow after. I want you to highlight that word, those two words. Follow after. Underline them. This, this word, this phrase, follow after, is the same Greek word that was in Philippians chapter 3. That word press. That word, uh, also, follow after in verse 12. It's the same Greek word, dioko, right? So it's telling us again, pursue, persecute, harass, trouble, seek, it af seek after it eagerly, run swiftly after it. Well, what am I running after? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Hold on to those things. Count them as precious. Count them as worthy of your time. Because we live in a society today that has no value for any of these things. There is no value or, or honor for righteousness. There's no value for godliness. If anything, it's get as ungodly as possible and celebrate it. That's, that's what our society says. Um, but what about this? Follow after faith. Pursue faith. Run after swiftly faith. Amen. It's worthy. It is a worthy prize. Amen? Stay in faith at all costs. Now look at verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. In this world today, there is much pressure to conform. But we have to decide we're not going to be conformed by the world. We're going we're gonna to conform to the word. Amen. You're conforming to something. Make sure that it's the word. Amen. Amen. Whatever you conform to will indicate the kind of results that you'll have in your life. Amen. But, but in verse 12 again, fight the good fight of faith. Notice faith is a fight. It's a fight. It's not a fight from the perspective of we're not sure who's going to win. Right? Because, because we fight from a place of victory. Yeah. But it is a fight from the perspective of it's a fight of words. Amen. Faith is a fight of words. And we have to fight to stay in the arena of faith. Because there is much out there that is trying to pull us out of the arena of faith. And because our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We do not have the luxury of getting out of the arena of faith, yeah. of stepping in and out and in and out. And, oh, I'll, I'll use my faith and I'll speak right words when I'm at church. But bless God, as soon as I get into that car, you know, and I'm dealing with that wife of mine or I'm dealing with those kids and I'm cussing and cursing them out. And then I'm going to work and I'm stealing paper clips and, you know, like all of that, you know, all of that stuff. We, we can't be in and out and in and out of faith because because in and beginning in and out of faith will produce no fruit. And then we sit and we wonder, oh God, why aren't you doing the things that, uh, you know, I've asked you for? 
oh God, I'm believing you for this money and it's not showing up. Well, maybe stop complaining. Stop complaining about your life. Your complaining is injuring your faith. Maybe stop gossiping. Uh Uh-oh, nobody wants to talk about that. Gossip injures your faith. Amen. Stop stop going around talking about how expensive the gas is and then wondering why supply doesn't show up in your bank account. What is that? The Bible calls it being double-minded. Don't be double-minded. Be steadfast in the word. Amen. Faith is a fight. You have to fight to stay in that realm of faith and out of the mental arena. Right. We hear that all the time. Pastor Nancy says it. Stay out of the mental arena. You know, Pastor Craig's been talking about that right from the pulpit. Pastor, you're in the mental arena. Right. You, you, you've heard the stories. Right. But we have to fight to stay out of the mental arena. Let me tell you another story. When Kylie was born, um, uh, there's there's a lot that happened in that day. And I'm not going to go into great detail about it. But uh, what I will say is this. When Kylie was born, things did not go to plan. And in fact, there were certain things that didn't, that didn't go right. And, um, you know, I was, of course, we were with Corinne and we, you know, went into the delivery room and whatever. Um, but then because some things didn't go right, I wasn't able to be present when Kylie was born. Okay. So that's fine. You know, we're not like, whatever. It's, it is what it is. She's here. She's safe. She's healthy. It's great. Right. So, but I, I remember because things had not gone well in certain areas, uh, they had told me to go back to the room where we were previously when, you know, they were going through all the labor contractions, whatever. Um, and so I was standing there by myself and when you're standing there by yourself and you're not with your wife who's giving birth and your daughter who is soon to be born, um, you're, you're left with your thoughts. Okay? And so, and, and like I said, things had not gone well in, in a certain way. And so um, I was standing there with my thoughts and uh, when, when, I, <laughs> when I came into the room actually, uh, I tangibly recognized the presence of the spirit of fear. And that fear started to bombard me with thoughts. And, and when I say the word bombard, I'm not exaggerating. It was a constant thought after thought after thought after thought after thought. It, it felt like, a, like, a, like a, I was being jackhammered in my mind with, with fear. And of course, it's not just a thought, but there is a tangible atmosphere of fear in the room. Okay, and so I have been well taught, right? Because we have good pastors. And I, you know, (laughs) the things that we learn are for times like that. It's it's funny how times of pressure come or or times, tests of trials come and then people suddenly forget, oh, I don't know what to do. Well, everything that you've been trained for, it's for that, right? So that's why I say you need to pay attention because you don't know what's around the corner that you're going to need an answer in your mouth for. Anyways, so thank God the things that we had been taught came up in my spirit. And so I knew I have to get out of my mind. I have to get out of my mind. Um, So immediately I start answering thoughts. I start, spirit of fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me power and love and a sound mind. I said, my family is kept by the power of God through my faith. And even though I'm not in that room with them, my faith is in that room with them. And the power of God surrounds them because my faith is with them. And so I'm, start, I'm I am confessing the word of God. Whatever is in you in a time of pressure is going to come out. Notice what I didn't do was go in the room and cry. Oh, God, you know, heaven is waiting for you to confess the things that you put in your spirit. But the problem is most people don't put anything in their spirit, right? You don't. You just come to church and and, and that's the only mind renewing that you get. But you have to in the week open up your Bible because your Bible is life. Your Bible has answers for you. Your Bible, the word of God, the revelation of the word will get you out of the problems that you're facing. And people have no choice but to cry because they haven't filled themselves. They go into situations empty. But thank God I didn't. 
thank God, you know, the word was in my heart. And so I answered all of those thoughts. And, I, and, and, and a thought would come and it would say, it's going to go this way. And I'd say, no, it's not going to go this way because I say so. You know, and, and I just, I would answer the word and I would answer the thoughts specifically. Right? And so I was, and then after I answered the thoughts, because y'all, y'all go out and get, answer it. Pastor Nancy, okay, go and get that book. Um, after I answered the thoughts, did the, did the pressure in the room leave? Did the fear in the room leave? Well, it stood back, but it was still present. So what did I do? I ignored them and I lifted my hands and I worshiped my God. And I said, God, you are my father. You said in your word that you would not leave me or forsake me. And you will not leave us or forsake us in this situation. You have not left Corinne. You have not left, you know, we're, we're, I am just, I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm thanking God. Why? Because worship is holding me in the spirit. Did you hear me? After I confessed the word, after I answered the thought, I lifted my hands and I started to worship and praise God. Why? Because worship, and it was when I started to worship and glorify God that the anointing came in the room. The presence of God came in the room. And I said, oh, he's here. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. You have to remember, I'm telling you this, congregation, you have to remember, you are not alone. The greater one is on the inside of you, and he wants to get you out of the things that you're facing, but you need to engage him. You need to lift your hands and say, God, I know that you're with me. I know that you live in me. I know that you're greater than this thing that I'm facing. So I worship the greater one. I worship my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Deliverer. I worship you instead of focusing on the test, instead of focusing on the problem. You choose faith. You choose faith. Faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Don't you let your feelings dictate how you respond in a situation. You respond with your faith. Let your faith shine in times of tests and trial. You let it shine. And I started to worship God and I started, Father, I thank you that you're taking care of my girls. You're taking care of my girls. And, uh, you know, and the doctor came in and, um, you know, uh, they had said, uh, well, you know, it was successful and, you know, Kylie's here and whatever. Uh, but then they said something, and, I, and we got a report. And this is what the report was. When Kylie was born and she, you know, came out, the doctors were holding her, and she did a sudden movement with her arms like that. And uh, it startled the doctors because they thought it might have been a seizure. And so it, it, was, just, it was just a sudden movement, and then that was it. And so the, so the pediatrician came in and she said, you know, this is what happened. Um, they did a sudden movement with, you know, she did a sudden movement with her arms. And so basically they wanted to bring her to the NICU and, you know, monitor her. But this is what I want to say to you. When I was, when I had been um, worshiping God and praising God, I was not in my mind. And so when that information came to me, I did not process it mentally. Because I had taken the time to worship and praise God and to, and to put my attention on him. When we got that report, I didn't handle it uh, in the wrong way. And I said, okay, thank you, for your, thank you for your... Now, the first thing I did was I checked my spirit. The, fir- the very first thing I did. And when I checked my spirit, I sensed peace. And so I said, okay, I know. There's nothing wrong with her. Because, you listen, in a time of trouble... You need to make sure that you know how to get in touch with your spirit. Okay? Now, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't start saying, well, by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed. Now, why didn't I say that? Why would that have been a wrong confession? Because we didn't know there was anything wrong with her. So if I had said, by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed, what I would have been doing is receiving that. I would have acknowledged that and taken it as my own, and then we would have had a real problem. Right. But I checked my spirit and there was peace in my spirit. So I said, that's fine. Maybe she was dancing a little bit. Maybe she just got a little bit of a jive out there and just whoo, glory, you know, and she just she just needed to, uh, you know, release. A, ooh, hallelujah. Um, you know, maybe that was it. But uh, I know there is no problem. And therefore, uh, I'm not concerned. So I said, there's no fear here because I know she's fine. And yeah, they went through their whole little, you know, thing where they monitored her for whatever. But that movement 
never happened again. And she's been beautiful and healthy ever since. I said all that to say this. Don't let go of your faith. And letting go of your faith means taking a step into the mental arena. If you entertain thoughts, you have released your hand of faith. Okay? Do not entertain thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Do not entertain thoughts of fear. I'm not, notice, I'm not saying do not have those thoughts because those thoughts are going to come and you're going to feel the pressure of them, but do not entertain them. Dad Hagen used to say, just because the bird flies over your head doesn't mean it needs to make a nest in your head. Right? You know, let the bird fly, fly away. Answer it. Move, you know, like do so. What do you mean that bird is on your head? You're letting it put sticks there. You know, come on, man, get it together. Use your faith. Answer the thoughts that come. Do all that it takes to stay in the faith. Because your faith will preserve you. And can I say this? Keep faith around you at all costs. Don't go and you get a negative report about something and then go tell some family member that's going to go and cry with you. Or tell some friend of yours that's going to, oh, I, can't, I just can't believe that happened to you. Uh, you know, and, and get you all riled up and in the flesh. That's not somebody you need to be uh, communing with yeah. when you're releasing your faith. Amen. Yeah. I appreciate this. There's a minister, um, you know, who's, who's not in our camp or anything like that. But they had been diagnosed with cancer. And they were going through the treatments and, you know, releasing their faith for their healing. And this minister was a pastor of a congregation, and so often she would have people come and visit her from her congregation, you know, just to see how she's doing and whatever. And so on one occasion, uh, the minister, come, uh, the, the person came to visit the minister and said, you know, pastor, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she said, oh, yes, absolutely. Go ahead, pray. Do all, do all this in your heart, you know. And so this person goes and, and, and puts her hand on her shoulder and just says, Father, I thank you. And they can't get the words out because they started to cry. And so, but I appreciate something that this minister said. She said, when they started to cry, I knew right away, this is not going to, this is not going to be around me. This, I'm not entertaining this. So she said, sister, thank you. Thank you, but I'm good. Don't shed your tears for me. Instead, rejoice with me for my healing. You don't need somebody to cry with you when you're going through a hard time. You need somebody who's going to stir you toward the faith. You need somebody who's going to propel you toward your answer, who's going to remind you if you're dealing with sickness in your body, you need somebody who's going to remind you Jesus is the healer. You know, when you're dealing with a hard time in your marriage, you need somebody to remind you the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. That's the kind of person that you need around you. That's the kind of report that you need around you. Not somebody that's going to get you all wound up in your emotions. Because there's no help for you in your emotions. Right. Amen. 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 And, uh, and, then, and then this particular, uh, this, this, I think it was the same person, you know, they, they got it together and they started to pray again. And um, they started to say, well, God, if it be your will to heal her. Yeah. Can I tell you, it's a good thing that there was a collective groan. Because you know what that means? We're well taught around here. You know right away, uh-uh, that ain't right. If it be thy will. And, and she said, no, 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 hold on. Hold on. I love that. I love that. Interrupt the prayer. You know, we're so politically correct. We'd be all like, oh, we'll just wait till she's done. And then, you know, and then plead the blood of Jesus over her words, you know, when she's gone. But no, she said, now, hold on a minute, sister. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Why? Because she's protecting what goes into her ears. She said, it is God's will to heal me. We don't have to pray if it be God's will. I know it. I know it's God's will. So how about we pray that? Father, we thank you that it's your will to heal. And so healing is working in her body. And can I tell you, this minister recovered totally from cancer. God healed her. Why did God heal her? Because she did all that she could to remain in the faith. Amen. And her faith ended in sight. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I want to wrap up with this. Turn to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to wrap up with this. Mark chapter 5. I love the word of faith. I am so grateful for the revelation of faith. The revelation of faith has saved my life. It has saved my family's life. 
I'm so grateful to God for it. I'm so grateful. Don't you ever, listen, there's so much online garbage (laughs) where people trash this revelation of faith. I don't know how you can trash something that has been a lifeline to so many. Oh, you don't want to trash the word of faith? Okay, go ahead, do that. Live with your sickness. Live with your poverty. But I want to be a part of that growing 3% that does not live beneath, but lives honoring and appropriating the promises of God. Amen? Mark chapter 5, verse 25. You've heard this story. But uh, I want to... We're just going to go and read it because... Because I love this woman. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. Um, she's, she's hardcore and I like it. Okay, look at this. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and had, was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. Look at this. When she had heard of Jesus. I, I, can you remember the day that you had heard of Jesus? Can you remember the day and how drastically our lives changed? Because we heard Jesus. Jesus is the open door into total transformation. Jesus is the open door into answers for every problem that comes forward in this life. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful that I know him. Aren't you grateful? When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. I like it. Look at that word press again. She came in the press behind. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? In other words, come on, Jesus. You know, Captain Obvious here. Uh, What do you mean somebody touched you? Everybody's touching you, okay? Um, You know, they think they're smart. They think they, you know, said something. But, of course, they didn't. Uh, verse 32, And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and whole, and be whole of thy plague. This woman had fight in her. Yes. Now, why, why would I say that? Well, she's been sick for 12 years. And not just any kind of sickness. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Now, I don't know if any of you have had a nosebleed for even five minutes, okay? Five minutes can be a long time. And you got Kleenexes up there, and you're, you know, sorting out that situation. But sometimes by the time you're done, that skin around your nostril, it can get a little bit raw, right? (laughs) Try 12 years of bleeding, okay? 12 years of of a consistent flow of blood. Now, what does that do to a person? That it doesn't, it's not just uncomfortable. Oh, I'm bleeding again. It's, It's not what happens. It drains you of strength, right? She probably smelt, okay? She probably, you know, she's she's dealing with, there's a lot going on here in her body. And she's gone to doctors, and every time she goes to a doctor, the doctor not only doesn't help her, but the doctor actually makes her worse, okay? And so there's literally no, no option for this lady, okay? But she hears about this guy named Jesus, And how people are getting healed when they get around him. And so she decides, I'm going to get around him. Now, there are some technicalities here that would keep her from getting around him. Mainly that somebody who has a a disease like her is not allowed to be out in public. Right? Because, you know, people didn't know anything about, you know, medicine and things like that. They just assume if you're sick, I could probably get that. Stay away from me. Okay, and so these people, you know, if, if she went out and was discovered, she would have been killed. Yeah. Right? Because that's what the law dictated. Yeah. And so, but I want you to notice something. Everything was arrayed against this woman. Yeah. But she did not allow her natural circumstances to dismiss her from her miracle. Yeah. Don't let your natural circumstances dismiss you from receiving what you need from God. Oh, well, I can't do that. Oh, well, I can't go to church. I'm, I'm just not feeling so great. Okay. 
moving right along. Um, so she fought past the feelings that, of course, the natural stuff that was going on in her body. She fought past the fear of dying because all it would have taken was one person to say, hey, hey, uh, give me a name. Uh, Mary, is that you? You know, and it would have been over for her. It would have been done. So, you know, no doubt she's, she's covering herself up and she's moving, but she's very weak because she's been bleeding, right? So this is not a, a confident stroll to Jesus. This is, you know, she's, she's probably hobbling. She's probably, you know, she, this, is not, this is not an easy trek. And it's not exactly like she's not going to stand out because there's not everybody in the market, you know, just going around hobbling like that, right? But she persists. And even though she's afraid, even though she hasn't been out probably for about 12 years, she's going and she's moving and she's reminding herself, when I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. When I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then she finally gets to Jesus and lo and behold, he's surrounded by a crowd of people. She thought he w it was just going to be a, oh, maybe he'll be standing there and I can, I can maybe, you know, subtly approach and be like, hey, Jesus, just go ahead and pray for me. I just, you know, but, she, but that didn't happen for her. He's surrounded by a multitude and they're all touching him. And so she now has to fight her way. She could have said, oh, well, brother, Jesus is over there. I just need to go home. I'm tired. Yeah. Right. Could she not have done that? Could she not have done that? That's what some church people do nowadays. Because, oh, well, uh, oh, well I, I tried. I tried, Lord. I tried. Listen, she wasn't just satisfied with just trying. She said, I am going to get to the hem of his garment. Yes. And so what did she do? She got on her hands and knees. And she started to crawl through the people. And she started to press past. And she's touching everybody. You understand? If people see, you know, no doubt, uh, you know, everybody is thronging. And so a lot of people are being touched. But if somebody is, is going past you and we're, we're in a crowd of people and somebody comes and touches your arm, what is the natural inclination? You're probably going to look, you know, like... Who touched me? And if they see this woman who's hobbling about, you know, doing her thing, they're going to start asking some questions. Right? So all of her attempts to be subtle have been foiled because of this crowd. But she goes and she pushes past what she feels. And she gets to Jesus. And she touches the hem of his robe. And many people were touching Jesus. And many of those people, probably all of those people, had some type of problem. Maybe it was sickness. Maybe it was uh, uh, some other issue. Maybe they needed deliverance. But I, only, but I want you to notice, it was only the one with their hand of faith released that appropriated the power that was in Jesus. Listen, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you have to release your faith. You have to release your faith because God's will is to heal you. Yes, God's will is to provide for you. God's will is to restore your marriage, restore your children. But if your faith is not released, there is nothing to appropriate that power and make it yours. Faith makes the power of God yours. Amen. 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 And so she got into contact with Jesus, but she fought. She fought. And when she got there, the power of God went into her body and it dried up that plague that was in her. That sickness did not stand a chance. Where doctors couldn't figure it out, the power of God annihilated it in a moment. In a moment. But it took her releasing her faith. God will do for you in a moment what, what people would take years to do for them. But you have to release your faith. You have to protect your faith. You have to guard your faith. Amen. Your problem does not dictate your outcome. Your believing does. You're believing and you're speaking in line with what you believe. Amen. We believe, therefore, we speak. Right? So remind yourself when things are dark, all things are possible. If you'll just believe. If you'll believe. If you'll hold fast to your faith. If you'll keep your words right. If you'll feed your faith, and I'm really wrapping up right now with this. You know, I, I talked to so many people on the phone and, and, and throughout, you know, you know, my time just fellowshipping with people. And you get to know uh, people's, you know, lives and whatever. And, and I remember uh, just recently, this happens very frequently, but somebody was telling me about their problems and I, and I said, or something that they needed from God. Uh, it was a situation with their body. And I said, okay, well, you know, what are you believe? What are you standing on? But what scriptures are you standing on? Said I said, are you are you reading your Bible? Are you you know doing what Pastor Craig teaches us? And they said, oh no, 
<laughs> I said, well, come on, man, then you're not serious. If you, if you just want God to wave his magic wand and sort out your life, I got news for you. That's not how it works. Faith is not a drive through The power of God is not a drive through It's not, like Pastor Craig said, Mick, Mick Faith, Mick whatever. You know, it's not, it's not like that. Um, you got to put the work in. You want to see your life change? Put the work in. You want, you want the power of God to do things for you? Get in the Word of God. The Word of God is the source of power. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you. Father, what an exciting life we get to live. Uh, the life of faith. There is nothing like it. And, and Lord, you are teaching us to stay in the faith. To not get in and out of faith. <laughs> to not just be in the faith when we're at church but to be in the faith at all times. And Father, you've made it easy. You've made it easy for us. You have given us instructions so that we can do it. So I thank you. I, I thank you that we leave tonight with the understanding that we are well able to walk in the faith. We are well able to um, get out of the mental arena and into our hearts. Because in so doing, Father God, we'll see our faith will begin to work. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.